0: And welcome to Fundamentals, the podcast that explores pop culture one conversation at a time. I am your host, Harley. Joining me for this episode is a returning guest to the podcast. He is host of the Not Just For Kids podcast, it's Russell Bailey. Russell was kind enough to come back onto the podcast and discuss a really fascinating video game topic in the form of Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog is a video game developer responsible for the likes of Crash Bandicoot, Jack and Dexter, Uncharted, and The Last of Us. In this discussion, we get to dive into each of these video game series, the impact that they had on the various consoles coming out over the years, our nostalgia for them, and the development of two of these franchises into on-screen adaptations. Now, this does mean that we will be discussing the recent series, The Last of Us, that aired on HBO, So if you haven't seen it and you don't want it spoiled, then you may want to skip the last little bit of the podcast or just pause it and come back to it because, yeah, we go into it. Personally, I haven't seen it. It's not something that really appeals to me as we do discuss, but I was happy to have a chat with Russell about it anyway. And it was really interesting just to learn what it is that has made that such a successful adaptation in a world where video games are constantly being adapted into film and TV with varying degrees of success. It really is just an absolute delight to have Russell back onto the podcast and chat with him once again, and I hope that you guys enjoy this conversation as well. So, without further ado, let's just get on with it. This is Naughty Dog with Russell Bailey. Hello, Russell, and welcome back to the Fundamentals podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me back on.
0: Oh, it is my pleasure, and you're here with a video game topic, which it has been a hot minute since I've done one, and I'm really excited to get into it, and yeah, get into the company Naughty Dog. So I guess to kind of kick us off, I want to know, yeah, what was your introduction to this company then?
1: So uh, when I, I, so I'm a Sony boy, I don't currently have a PlayStation 5, but I've had all the other iterations of PlayStation, PSPs, I've had the 1, 2, 3, 4... And the first one I ever got was a PlayStation and it came with this bundle of five games, which today is mad. It would be a mad thing that they just bundle five mm. full games with a console. Yeah. So I got it with uh, Rayman Ridge Racer Tekken, this uh, game called Theme Park, where you like make theme parks. I was never very good at that one. And Crash Bandicoot, <laughs> which is Naughty Dog. Um,
0: yeah. So
1: I've sort of been are not from the beginning. So they made games before this, but since they became kind of, The go-to game for um, the go-to company for Sony exclusives. I've kind of just followed along with them, and yeah, yeah, kind of fell in love from Crash Bandicoot onwards. Love it.
0: I mean, yeah, Crash Bandicoot is just, I think, an excellent point to sort of jump off on. I mean, as soon as you messaged me about this topic, it was the first thing that jumped out to me, and just had this like flood of nostalgia. And it was like that moment from Ratatouille, where like (laughs) your childhood comes back, and you're like, whoa yeah, I had no idea it was them. So what was the
1: first one you had then that that was included in that bundle? It would have been the first one. So I, I've definitely played the first three ones. And then my partner, who is wow. also into video games, got the re-release of it a few years ago that came out on the PS4. And I forgot how hard the first one is. The first one is insanely hard. And I must have only played a couple of levels of it on a loop because you get past like the 10th level and it just becomes the most impossible platformer. And yeah, it was just this kind of, <laughs> I remember at the time that like every company that brought a console had to have their Mario. So obviously Nintendo had Mario, uh, Sega had, uh, Sonic. And, uh, I guess for Sony, it was crash Bandicoot. It was this like, yeah. Uh, Australian mass, a marsupial that couldn't talk that span around and jumped around and then jumped on other animals and ate apples and broke boxes and was fighting like these strange, uh, people like uh, i'm trying to remember who it is there's uh dr T- cortex T- doctor cortex is the, always the villain he has always like these kind of um henchmen who you fight at random points in boss levels yeah so it's yes it's a fairly standard uh platformer a sort of 2.5d in that it looks 3d but it, kind of the mechanics are mostly uh 2d on a rail uh, yeah, so mm. I, I played through the first couple of games of that. I played through their version of Mario Kart, which is Crash Team Racing. Yep. And yeah, that was the start. And that was they were all on the first PlayStation. I miss kind of like the first PlayStation because it was a, mm. a beautiful console that then had all these kind of like games. It, it seems that at the time there were a lot more games. I don't know, maybe it's just that as a child, I was always impressed that there were games mm-hmm. to buy. Um, Yeah, so I followed yeah. it from the first one. And the second and third one kind of expand out what it is. It becomes more complicated in its design. You get different types of levels. They always had chase levels where you've been chased by like a an giant angry animal or a boulder and you were just yeah. running towards the screen and having to like jump and dodge things. It was, there was always hard. And then like to so got yeah. ice levels, you got sewer levels. And then by the third one, you get a motorbike, which is again, the exact same thing of like that kind of like boulder mm. thing, but this time on a motorbike. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Man alive. I'm just looking back over this now and I'm like, wow, again, nostalgia just flooding through me, coursing through my veins at this point. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, I mean that that run of games, the first three, it was 96, 97, and 98. I mean, and then the team racing is a year after. That just seems kind of wild, doesn't it? Like one after the other. But I know what you mean about <clears throat> I know what you mean about the uh the PlayStation One, because yeah, I agree, man. I think growing up, it was just, it felt like there was just an absolute uh, plethora of games to get through. I mean, I'm just curious while we're on this, like, what other ones did you go for on the PS1? Uh,
1: so I was always, like that That kind of like core first five were really yeah. strong ones for me. Like I always loved Ridge Race. It always felt like the coolest game. I guess if I yeah. played it now, I would probably not think it was so cool. Uh, a few years ago, the Science Museum had like this like history of gaming exhibition where you... All it was was an excuse to go into a giant room with all these like game consoles and play old games. So I think nice. I played the old Tekken there. I loved the Tekkens. Again, I thought they were super cool. And then uh-huh. there's things like Metal Gear Solid and Final Fantasy VII, those kind of more expansive games that, yeah. I guess, was being opened up at that point in time. That There's kind of like 3D games that were more expansive, had like proper stories. Like Metal Gear Solid is a proper uh, spy thriller with like, Seemed like real stakes and real things were happening. Uh, yeah, that's sort of so. It's it's like the ones you pick up and play, so like the Ridge Racers, the Tekken's, yeah. and like the platform is also vaguely similar because they're all just like levels. So, like Rayman, Crash mm-hmm. Bandicoot are just you do levels after the other, and they get incrementally harder and harder and harder. Uh, and yeah. then as I got older with it, it seemed like they got more complicated games in there. Yeah.
0: I can relate to that. Yeah, I had a lot of that. I also remember um, the Phantom Menace game they had on uh, on that. On was the that the LPF racing one? one? No. Well, there was a racing one. Yes, yes I did play that. But there was a um, there was the movie version, which <laughs> it's terrible now looking back at it. But at the time, it was you know it was like oh I get to play as a Jedi, and it's just hilarious looking back because it was literally like you just had, you were playing as Obi-Wan, for example, and, like, the mechanics, the fighting mechanics were just, you just swing the stick side to side. But <laughs> it was great, you know, and there was stuff like that. And, like you say, Crash Bandicoot was was definitely a big one. Um, worms 2D was, Oh, worms, uh, was yeah. Mental. Worms. I
1: heard um, someone's phone the other day had the sound of a worm when they fire a rocket and then celebrate once they've hit something with yeah. their text <laughs> tone. Um, and, like, things like Silent Hill, which, like, yeah, coming back. that was, yeah. And the thing that makes Silent Hill so terrifying is that it's all fog mm. bound and something like just the fact that the PlayStation couldn't handle the game. So they had to create mm. the fog so they didn't have to render the world around you. Mm. I, it's just, I go looking back at like the kind of like stuff they did that was up until the limitations of what the PlayStation could be. I think that's of yeah. what this era of gaming is. And as you go to like the PlayStation 2, it's always feels like, Mm. More and more with something like Naughty Dog, they're kind of like testing how far they can push a console to yeah. achieve what they want to achieve and how they get around that. So, like, again, like the thing with uh in Crash Bandicoot, those kind of being chased by boulder levels, mm. uh, it's only rendering what you're seeing at any one time. It's not rendered the entire level that gets rendered as it goes. And it's just yeah. like to get around the fact that you have to make this giant level, they just mm-hmm. do it in the moment. So, yeah, I uh, have a great fondness for the Crash Bandicoot series. Also, they're bright. They were mm. colorful. They were silly. They had ridiculous yeah. characters and uh, they were fun. Really fun games. It got a bit easier with 2 and 3. I think 2 and 3 are mm-hmm. easier than the first one. I think the first one is prohibitively hard and then 2 <laughs> and 3, like you can get like halfway through the game before it starts to get
0: really hard. Yeah, that's, I th- i agree with you there, definitely. And um, yeah, as you said, that, that kind of rendering the level, that, that running towards the camera thing. I think that is just synonymous with Crash Bandicoot. You think about it, you think, oh, yeah, those those, those levels that were just so difficult to get through because it's a genius workaround, the limitations, but it's so frustrating <laughs> to play when you're at <laughs> home because, as you say, you can't see what's coming. But, yeah, brilliant fun, man. And, um, yeah, I think I'm just looking through it now. I didn't realize how many games this one series alone, you know, Ran for basically from 96, it seems pretty much all up to 2010. It's like a game a year, sometimes two or
1: three. Yeah,
0: because it, it sort of detaches wild.
1: from Naughty Dog and becomes yeah. uh, taken on by different studios. Um, yeah, yeah. And never as good as the Naughty Dog years, but yeah, it does like continue mm. there on after. And they've in fact brought it back for a new version that's uh, mm-hmm. on the PS4. And again, apparently it's prohibitively hard. I haven't played that. I've watched my partner play and I was like, this looks quite hard and complicated. I'm not going to play that. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So
0: I guess that's your jumping off point then with with this particular uh, group. So what kind
1: of co- happens from there then for you and this company? So they kind of follow my trajectory of of Sony consoles. So from Crash okay. Bandicoot, you get Jack and Daxter, which is kind of this um, expansion of what uh, Crash Bandicoot is into a more open world kind of setup so there's a Jack and there's a Dax a Jack is a mute uh, teenage boy and Dax is his sort of friend who's been turned into a rodent and there's kind of that kind of like sidekick dynamic is not dissimilar to uh, something like Ratchet and Clank yeah, which was around the same time Ratchet and Clank came along or Banjo Kasui which precedes this so like the thing to know mm-hmm. about Naughty Dog is I love their games but I think most of their games are like lovingly tributes to other games or like just yeah. borrowing liberally from what is already there. It's so like crash bandicoot is borrowing from Mario, Jack and Daxter borrows from, um, Banjo Kazooie, for example. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, and I remember the amazing thing about Jack and Daxter. So that ran for, uh, with this company, four games, uh, including a rating game. It seems to be something they love doing is having vehicles in their games. Um, and mm-hmm. that goes from being quite a sweet, uh, rural set uh, action game through to being a post-apocalyptic future game. Like, between one and two, they kind of jump and change the tone slightly. It becomes a more sci-fi orientated game. And crucially, in the second one, you get a gun. It gives your character a gun. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: been years since I've played that one. But yeah, you're right. That, that is quite the tonal shift for this
1: game. I think it kind of was like... Uh, Sony at that time were trying to be a little bit more uh, for adults or a little bit more mature. Like There's always been those things of like, no, we're we're not just for kids. We're for teenagers and adults. And part of that might have been like, we'll take this cute Jack and Daxter and make it edgy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) And I definitely owned the first two of these. I owned the first one fairly early on with the PlayStation 2. Yeah, so I got a PlayStation 2, I think, on the first day. I think my dad wanted to play it. That's why he got me one. And this, nice. was, it was in two thousand and one, the first Jack and Daxter came out, and yeah, I got it fairly early on, and I definitely played the first and second one, and I've played the other, the, the third and fourth, but I had, didn't own them, so I owned the first two ones, and right again, it was another era where it seemed like there were a lot of games to play and a lot of uh, franchises being born, like obviously there's several Jack and Daxers, there were several Ratchet and Clanks, the PS2 was just a pluffer of games, which was a good time for gamers,
0: yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it definitely felt like the next wave. And I think for the longest time, I would say the PS2 was kind of leading the way in terms of what was available to gamers. And yeah, I have a lot of fond memories of various other games. I remember the um, Jack and Daxter one, I think a friend of mine in my neighborhood had one had that game. And yeah, it was so much fun. You're absolutely right. It was that and Ratchet and Clank were kind of like the two that were very similar and you'd go back and forth between them. Yeah. But I, yeah, it was great fun. And like I said, there was so much other stuff coming on. I mean, we mentioned Worms earlier. That's a classic. That gets even crazier. You get yeah. the 3D version, which was insane. I remember me and my cousin playing that all the time. And like the Star Wars Battlefront games, like stuff like that. Just I remember those like ones said, strongly. I remember
1: those being great games where you got to be yeah. Stormtroopers or Rebels. You got to run around those yeah. famous battles. Like... And because that was at a time when while we'd had the prequels, Star Wars is still something that was intermittent. So it felt... Mm -hmm. cool to be able to have a game and play it and be in that world um Mm. and yeah obviously there's like Metal Gear Solid 2 which Mm -hmm. was one of the great opening acts of a game for me is Metal Gear Solid 2 where you're like at the Statue of Liberty and you're being Snake for about 30 minutes and then he disappears from the game and you become someone else and I remember it just being like Mm. again that kind of like maturity of games to be to have a twist where you take away the main character we follow and give you a new character fairly early on in the game Uh, And that's sort of something that we'll come to in a bit with Naughty Dog because they Mm -hmm. do that later on with one of their games. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was a that kind of like jump from PlayStation to PlayStation 2 was pronounced, more pronounced than it was for other jumps for me. And the PS2 Mm -hmm. is like one of those consoles I'm super fond of. I kick myself that I've got rid of my old consoles because Mm. uh, the other day I had a hankering to play Portal 2, but that's on PS3 and I don't have a PS3 anymore. So I'm like, do I buy a PS3? And a copy of Portal 2 just to play it, or do I just have it as one of those things of not play again?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's t- it's tricky, isn't it? Because I-, I bought a PS2 in lockdown. I was feeling quite nostalgic in a few games. But the trouble is obviously they just they don't hold up. They're not built to last. <laughs> so even if you get one, like it just it's buggy as anything. And, you know, <laughs> trying to relive your childhood is it's just not a good idea because it doesn't work and you get frustrated and yeah, I found that a lot, which is a shame. But it's nice to have the fond memories. And there's something that just jumped into my mind was I remember the PS2. It felt like it was definitely the console that also had a lot of movie tying games. You know, I've spoken about this a yeah. few times on the podcast. Like they had a lot of those. You know, I mean, one that jumps to my mind is instantly is Spider-Man 2. Yeah, that one was so good. And yeah, it's it felt like whenever there was a big blockbuster like that, the PS2 usually had some
1: sort of tie in game on it, absolutely. Yeah, I remember Spider Man <clears> 2 <throat> because that's a strong game and it's like a really yeah. good game. And it wasn't, and it's not just the movie tie-ins. they also had games that were kind of trying to tie into being cinematic. So I remember a game called yeah. the, the Getaway, I think it was, which was vaguely like Driver, vaguely like Grand Theft Auto. And yeah, they'd mapped out all of London, they'd got a load of actors from. Uh, various uh, Guy Ritchie gangster films to be supporting characters in it, and like yeah, it's a time when movies become ever incorporated. And so like Ray Liotty is the voice of the lead in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. The Grand Theft Auto City okay. is a prime example of like where things become more and more cinematic, which will play into yeah. the next series we'll talk about certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the PS2, the PlayStation's relationship with games and movies is fascinating. So you obviously get like the Spider-Man 2s of the worlds. And I remember things like there was a Wolverine game at one point and yeah. there were, yeah, there's been loads. Like every blockbuster seemed to have one and we don't really get that anymore. I can't remember the last time there was like a game, prop, a proper game time, not like a separate entity. So obviously there's something like the Guardians of the galaxy game, but that's a separate entity. Yeah, that's just adapting the same material. It's not that you get to play as Chris Pratt's uh, Star Lord. It's, mm-hmm. it's a game with both Star Lord and Star Lord in it.
0: Yeah, I I agree. It's it it definitely. I've said this before. Yeah, it does feel like that was sort of a window in time, you know, and that's kind of gone now. And yeah, with that sort of generation of console in particular, it's very synonymous with it. It's. I do think it's a shame, but I also kind of wonder. I don't know if it's even sustainable now, you know, I mean, like the Avengers game they brought out struggled because of development issues and things like that. And you kind of like, I don't know, imagine trying to make an Infinity War game. That would just be a nightmare. <laughs> right. And they might have movies that come out, particularly in a franchise like a Star Wars or, a, you know, a Marvel, for example. I don't think gaming developers could keep up, you
1: know. Absolutely. And like, I guess because games are big and expansive now um, and have a life long after they've been released, that is part of the issue there. Like, I guess with PlayStation 2 games and PlayStation 1 games, there's that kind of throwaway quality to them that it's maybe yeah, 10 yeah. to 15 hours at most because the disk size is so small. The games mm-hmm. are smaller. And so you can create like a Spider Man 2 that's this fun weekend romp and then it's done. Whereas mm-hmm. now they've got to be. 30, 40, 50 hours long. Like any game I've played, yeah. I've kind of played for like 10 hours and barely scratched the surface of and gone, this is a lot of game. I'll come back yeah. to it at some point, my friend.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, it feels like the gaming world as a whole has changed. So, I mean, thinking about that in line with this company that we work with Naughty Dog, like how how do you think they kind of evolved from then on? Because I'm just looking at what they've done after. So they've got we go up to Jack, Jack and Dexter, that is. Mm-hmm. And then the next one on my list is Uncharted.
1: Is that yeah, right? Absolutely. I mean, that, That's a big leap. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And so I kind of think that what they're doing is kind of evolving their game. So, like, Jack and Dax is an evolution of Crash Bandicoot. Uncharted is an evolution of that because Uncharted is sort of has its platforming roots, but it becomes Mm -hmm. like this full action adventure game. And then what they do with Uncharted then feeds into The Last of Us, which I'm sure we'll get Mm. into shortly. But yeah, yeah, with with Uncharted, it kind of is this Tomb Raider like game where you are Nathan Drake, and the first one is Mm -hmm. very. Tomb Raidery, you go to this island, uh, you fight people, you have guns, you can punch people, you can swing around, jump from places to places. There are puzzles. Uh, It ends with monsters being around you kill them. And So the first one feels, it is good, but it feels very much just like a Tomb Raider clone. And Mm. then you get the second one. The second one just expands things out, expands your setting. It begins with you uh, at the bottom of a train that's hanging off a cliff and you've got to climb up this train and get through this village, and you keep jumping to different points in the story as you do this climb. And it, so it becomes... Yeah. We, we were talking about the cinematic quality. This is one of the most cinematic series out there because a lot of Uncharted is quite mm-hmm. easy or quite doable. It never has like this giant progression to it. There are some points which are hard than others, but it's all very doable, and it feels very cinematic because you are the lead in a, in a film uh mm. yeah so you get introd one and two and three all on the ps3 uh, and they kind of in terms of gameplay it's that kind of expansion into like an action adventure mold but also the thing they expand yeah. on is having a story so you have like right uh, a love interest of nathan that kind of flits in and out of all the games you have nathan's brother pops up you have him and his relationship with victor sullivan who is a sort of father figure you have most of the villains are people that in the story Nathan has known before or Victor's known before, and they come back into contact. Uh, Mm. And it's just that kind of like complexity of narrative that's not in a lot of games in the PS1 and PS2 or outside of like the Final Fantasies or the Metal Gear Solids. Mm. And it becomes that they can have a proper story and a proper journey till we get to the fourth one, which is uh, on PS4. Is the reason why I own a PS4 because I had to play this when it came out. And which made yeah. me cry at the end, because it has quite an emotionally satisfying and impactful uh, conclusion. And it feels like one of the things that Naughty Dog has been doing, particularly with Uncharted and The Last of Us, is to expand the the way stories are told in the medium of games, what can be told, and right. um, how we can feel about characters. Okay, that's really interesting. I want to pull on that
0: thread. So, So what was it about this particular game that you found to be quite moving then because i'm loosely familiar with the series <laughs> i think i've played a little bit of one of the games i'm as i've stated before in this podcast i'm not a gamer i'm <laughs> absolutely terrible but i can appreciate them so yeah yeah walk me through it
1: uh, So with with we've, we've uncharted so you follow nathan drake through his journey and mm-hmm. in the first game he's your classic american and mm-hmm. that he has mm. a good smile he's quippy and seems very lucky he never dies yeah. because he's very lucky yeah. and then in the second and third and fourth one, we start to see the toll and the impact on him. Um, You see him age, you see his, the love story between him and uh, Eleanor is really complicated and really Mm. nice. And she's quite a fully fleshed out character in a way that gaming hasn't always been good with female characters and having them more than just being um, attractively made pixels. I'll be honest. That's this not something that gaming has done that well. It's better than it once was because it's progressed, but So we're following Nathan Drake through this series of adventures, through these missions. And uh, by the end of the fourth one, it ties into him finding his brother again, who's been missing. And it's this kind of thing that's etched on it. So yeah, so by the fourth game, you're paired up with your brother, Sam Drake, who's been an absent presence. In the third game, you see the start of Nathan and Victor's relationship. So it has missions when you're being teenage Nathan. And then mm. by the end of the fourth one, uh, Nathan has finished being an adventurer. He's kind of finished yeah. at the start of the fourth one and is pulled back in for one, one last job. And then the mm-hmm. last 20 minutes of Uncharted 4 is just you as him and Eleanor's daughter walking around their house and just picking up artifacts. And it doesn't... By the fourth one, it has great action, but there's large stretches that aren't action-based. And it's mm. just you being those characters who... Uh, just enveloping yourself in the world and Mm. by this point games have come so far that the world can be rendered really effectively around you and that yeah I so I found the last 30 minutes of Uncharted 4 deeply impactful because you know as a parent and and as at that point I had become a dad um it just Mm. it felt really mature and interesting in gaming I think gaming has become has pockets of maturity to it now where it can explore stories in a way that isn't just kill the next person, kill that person, beat that person in a race. And that I think is, is part of the journey of the Uncharted games where the leap from Mm. Uncharted one to two feels pretty dramatic Mm -hmm. because it's complicated and the narrative is interesting. And uh, that narrative continues throughout and becomes more important almost to the game than the action itself because the action is Mm. is good and well rendered and the mechanics are fun and you can pick them up Mm. like there's a great bit in uncharted 4 where you are on yet another tropical island and you have to go around (laughs) and kill lots of people and it's like the way it's set up is you can swing round, swing across jump from place to place, steal people's Mm. guns and it's a very satisfyingly smooth way to play a game
0: but okay with
1: Uncharted Four, it's that last thirty minutes that Yeah. And it comes sort of between The Last of Us One and The Last of Us Two that shows like what The Last of Us gives uh Naughty Dog in terms of their gaming, then gets fed back into Uncharted.
0: Wow. I, I gotta say that's quite cool to hear it as a sort of understated end. It's yeah. Like an action series. Because as you say, it's that's sometimes the thing of um video games, right, is sometimes you hear this in and i know you're into the, this world of of film journalism and criticism right of sometimes people might say that oh it's very very video gamey that you know there's like a final boss at the end and it's st- so i think you're you've pulled on a really interesting point that actually video games are way more nuanced now and that sort of comparison isn't quite what it used to be because yeah you get a series like this where it can just take a minute just to slow down and kind of go well hang on you've spent a significantly long amount of yeah. time with these characters and you've seen all of their backstory and you've been on them with this journey. So, yeah, we're going to take it slow. We're just going to give them a nice, satisfying ending. It it kind of reminds me of how you approach a television series, mm. you know, in a way of like, yeah, you want to do something for the characters. You want to give the audience a satisfying conclusion. So it makes total sense that you would have that approach with a game, especially one like this that, as you say, is more cinematic, is taking older choice bolder, cho- bolder uh, creative choices and risks i am
1: really pleased to hear that actually yeah and i guess it reflects that like really tv film and games are kind of now a bleed in terms of the talent that works in them and right. the the stories being told and so like i'm struck by something like john wick for where the story is utter nonsense but it is <laughs> right. just this delightful free complicated set pieces and i was watching going. I'd play a game of John Wick as I watched it because it it feels very... um, It feels like a video game. It feels like a video game and it has like a video game logic in that. Uh, John Wick never dies. He's shot multiple times, but he has a bulletproof suit, which I was a bit like, really? But And everyone is all relatively bulletproof in these films. Yeah. But because it has that video game logic, it's also quite entertaining as an action game, as an action film. Mm. Because you know there's an end point you yes. know what the mission is, you know where they're trying to get to. And by yeah. playing and there's even a bit in the new John Wick where it, it uh the camera pulls up and it becomes like I think it's called Hotline Miami, where it's just a person rampaging through rooms and it becomes that in the last act. It has like wow, okay. about four minutes where it's just doing that. And it it's a great moment and it, it's the, the confidence mm. of the filmmakers to do it. But then mm. like so. With Uncharted and The Last of Us, they've both had um adaptations in other media. So Uncharted has a film, The Last of Us is mm-hmm. a TV show, to varying degrees of success. I mean
0: Yeah. I, I wanna p- I wanna pull on that actually. <laughs> yeah, what did
1: you think of Uncharted? Because I haven't seen it yet, but I've I've heard a lot of reviews and I get the gist of what it is. So I've watched it twice. I watched it this morning again. Okay. I watched it last year when it came onto streaming for the first time. Yeah. And it is unsatisfying so the so the journey for uncharted to get to the screen has been long and lots of talent has been floating around it at one point i believe robert de niro was attached to be victor sullivan and various directors Ooh. have gone through the mill and we okay. ended up being i think his name's reuben fletcher he's the director behind zombie land and the first venom so okay, okay. Yeah. and uh um Nathan is played by Tom Holland. so Spider-Man and Mm -hmm. Sullivan is played by Marky Mark. Mark, And there's none, (laughs) there's none like the, uh, there's no love interest in this one. It it, it feels very much like a pre game film, which is fine. Uh, Tom Holland is perfectly fine in the part. Actually, I quite like him as the part. Once you get over the fact he's not, um, who's the actor? He's in um, Nathan Fillion, Nathan Fillion. Yeah, if there is an actor out there who should have played Nathan Drake, it is it is Mr. Fillion because he is yeah he has that kind of swagger and that kind of mm. uh, he can play very well characters that seem lucky like that yes. seem over the head but aren't yeah. panicking. Um,
0: on 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 that note, I just wondered: Do you know if they based the character of Nathan Drake off Nathan Fillion because it feels quite similar? Like you say, you watch Firefly and then you. You watch a bit or play a bit of the game, and you kind of like, hang on a second.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, because there's the thing like, um, is it serious? Sam is is ripping off mm. Bruce Campbell from the Evil Dead film. So there's potentially. Right. Okay. um I think it was. It's yeah. as much that they wanted a Tomb Raider like figure who was a guy, and so sure, they cribbed a lot from Tomb Raider, but also yeah, I yeah. can see it. Being certain actors yeah. have been pulled in. He um,
0: he was he was fan cast for the longest time. Whenever yeah, yeah. whenever there was talks of this being made as a film, you're right. That was the internet was just screaming out like, and he make be, it, he'd make be, it be perfect, he'd be
1: perfect for it. But yeah, mm. um, Tom Holland is perfectly fine in this. Mark Wahlberg has never been more miscast in this part. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> so Victor Sullivan, for those who don't know the game, is this rough yeah. older American who has a thick moustache and a surly disposition. Mm. Uh, but he's inter- entirely loyal to um, to Nate, and they have a great relationship. And mm. Mark Wahlberg is playing it as Mark Wahlberg. Like, yeah, I, I've watched films where Mark Wahlberg is good. Boogie Nights is a perfect example of Mark Wahlberg being able to act. The Departed is another prime example. Mm. He doesn't fit the part, and they give him a moustache at one yeah. point, and it's like, no, just this isn't working for me. He's yeah, he's yeah. about twenty years too young. Or at least mm-hmm. feels 20 years too young. I have no idea how old Marky Mark is. He seems eternal. I will ah. Google that now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, what's his name?
1: It's time to Google. Like another frustrating thing about this film is that Antonio Banderas is in the cast as one of the villains. And mm-hmm. if you didn't want to do Victor Sullivan like he is in the game, have yeah. Antonio Banderas. The guy is a bit <gasps> older, but he's very sexy and charismatic, and mm-hmm. you could see him being this roguish character really easily. Whereas Marky Mark is Marky Mark, and yeah. he's uh, fifty-one by the way. He's fifty-one. Okay, he is younger than I thought yeah. he'd be because he's been around since like the nineties.
0: Yeah, but you know, I agree with you because I heard that as well with the casting. And my brain kind of, I mean, you mentioned De Niro. That's interesting. Yeah. Maybe someone like Sam Elliott or J.K. Simmons, you know, someone yeah. who can kind of pull off, like you say, that older kind of
1: surly, sarcastic, but with a little bit of a heart of gold, you know. You want I mean, someone who you could see fitting into Western. That's the Yes, the exactly. Trick. It's kind of a Western trope being flung into this action right, series. Right, right. So not um, so not Mark Wahlberg. So not Mark <laughs> no, no offense, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they've been trying to make the Uncharted game since fairly soon after the first so the Uncharted film since fairly after the first game. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's taken it took them fifteen years to do it. So yeah, maybe mm. the Uncharted game we would have had seven or eight years ago would have been the better one. I mean, yeah, so it's perfectly fine. The action is fine. It has quite a low energy to it. Like mm. I never believe anyone's gonna come to any sort of massive peril because it's always a bit sure. uh CGI in the safe. <laughs> um mm-hmm. yeah. Well and I'm not sure if you could have not made it sound feel a bit derivative because sure. The Uncharted games, if they weren't games they were films, would be der- derivative of other films. Sure.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's kind of a bit Indiana Jonesy in places, as you say, Tomb Raider. It's a bit um You mentioned John Wick. It's a little John Wick. I mean, the body count's pretty high. So yeah, you're right. It's kind of a weird mix of all of those things. And that was the impression I got with the film was it was kind of bog standard adventure film. But if if it wasn't uncharted, if it was just you know another name and there were other characters, it it wouldn't really matter. It seems it's basically uncharted and name only is kind of
1: a lot of the criticism when it came out. Yeah, there is one bit. So it starts with. Nate, uh, hanging out of the back of a plane, which is a sequence in the third game. So there is there are those moments, but it's just, um, it also feels like a setup for the series. And I'm always a bit like, I don't want to watch the teaser trailer for the next five or six films. Yeah, to watch the film, and then if it gets another one, it gets another one. And yeah, that that bring up John Wick again. John Wick has always been very good at being like the Mm. film that it is. And if they get another one, they get another one, and it. Like, yeah, lead will be open to another one, but it there's a story mm. that is that story.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, and I suppose it's that thing of well of trying to translate video games to film, as we say, it's it's a very tricky thing to do. Yeah. And we're getting more and more attempts now, which makes sense because, as we've said before on this, and as we're talking, it's apparent, right, that, yeah, games are getting more dramatic. They're getting more cinematic. They're varied. They're a
1: huge huge part of the media industry so it kind of makes sense to have a go and like they have a fan base like no like oh yeah it's been 30 years since we had a mario film the last mario film while i have a fondness <laughs> for it is a hot mess and Nintendo turning it mildly. Have finally like released the chains a bit uh, and we're going to get another mario at the time of recording mm-hmm. next week so it yeah. happens and like there's like there's a film called werewolves within which is based on a ubisoft game but that's like a murder mystery mm-hmm. with a werewolf kind of vibe and that's so okay i i think the game adaptations that work are the ones that are least gamey yeah like uh i'm always struck by the doom film where the standout moment for me is where they strap the camera to the gun and so we get a sequence where it is basically doom right okay uh, it's yeah it's it, and you, on paper it's like yeah of course we'll strap the uh, the camera to the gun but right. in practice it's not very good. Um, no no. Is reson- that Dwayne Johnson and in that? Dwayne film? Johnson's in that as is. Maybe Carl Urban. I want to say Carl Urban is also in it. Yes, I think that's right. Uh, and uh Rosman Pike is also in it. Oh, <laughs> wow, okay. That's that's quite the cast. <laughs> but I mean if you've played the Doom games, the Doom games are like simple. Like, they don't have a strong story. Sure. It's just you're sure. on Mars, and for some reason, a portal to hell has been opened, and all these hell demons are out, and you're shooting them, and that's it. Sure. And it doesn't okay. need a complicated one. It's just you firing your gun repeatedly. Sure. Yeah. And monsters are coming at you, and that's it. Yeah. Cool.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's things like that that you kind of think, I don't see where the room to would be to adapt it necessarily mm. because it's as you say it's pretty straightforward it's not asking for any kind of adaptation i mean there's lots of attempts right and i just thought as well like um different console and game but i know like halo's had multiple attempts at various live action versions and there was a series i think that came out last year
1: and I want to say some paramount plus maybe yeah uh, something like that yeah i haven't watched it i've and the, uh, Neil Blomkamp, for the longest time, was going to make one oh, produced man. by Peter Jackson, and yeah. he's now making. I think he's now making a Gran Turismo game, a film. That's right. So, yeah. Like his journey has been from he didn't get to make that game, and he's gone mm-hmm. and made lots of films to varying degrees of success. And now he's back round to making one. Um, mm. Like maybe like the best video game adaptations are the ones that aren't video games adaptations. So something like right. Run Lola Run has mm-hmm. a video game logic to it in that it's the same sequence played three times and the character dies at the end of two of them, just has to get through the sequence. Um, right. It's Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise dying on yeah. repeat. And that feels yep. very video game because it does. he dies yeah. and he gets further and further and further through the cycle. Or like mm-hmm. Free Guy, which I watched again the other day and I still think yeah. is quite a charming Ryan Reynolds film. And that is far more just taking the bits of the video game series you want, as opposed to trying to like, yeah, sh- shape the video game into being mm. effective. Like we've had multiple versions of resident evil and. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean the Paul WS Anderson ones are a very long running series and I mm-hmm. don't like any of them. Uh, the <laughs> resident evil. Welcome to Raccoon city is fine. It's quite atmospheric, but it gets kind of lost okay. in the narrative of resident evil. Like, The Resident Evil game has the most ridiculous plot. Like to make it all fit, to make it fit how from you go from like in the fourth one, this European um, village that's infected through to the seventh one where you're in like a backwater Louisiana, um, just like a a sort of like a folk horror type setup with people chainsaws and one evil family. Yeah. To make it all make sense is complicated and so that's i think where like they come down at least with the uncharted series Mm -hmm. there's not it's it's the the narrative makes more sense it's not that there's like this one evil villain and everything has to be kind of come back to that evil villain it's that there are these characters that sometimes bump into each other there's always a treasure they have to go off and find but they shouldn't find the treasure which is always the way when you're trying to find some ancient treasure that's not worth finding Mm -hmm. and yeah Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think the see so yeah, I think the Uncharted film is like three stars, but as an Uncharted yeah. fan, loses a star because I'm like Mark Wahlberg doesn't make sense in this <laughs> world.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um so yeah, I guess that kind of brings us on to, as you say, this sort of I think it's the next big one. I'm just having a look to see if I'm not missing anything. Um Yeah, it looks like it is the next big one was last of us it is indeed yeah yeah i remember hearing about this when it came out and it getting a lot of praise and awards and and stuff and again i'm sort of loosely familiar what this is like a post-apocalyptic
1: kind of thing right yeah so it's zombies but not so the zombies are uh people affected by fungus um yeah oh yeah and Mm. so this was one of the last great games in the ps3 I remember a year for the PS3, and this is probably the last year that I was most into gaming, which is 2013, it turns out. So it's been about 10 years of me on and off Mm -hmm. playing video games, uh, where we got the third Bioshock, we Mm. got the fifth Grand Theft Auto, and we got The Last of Us. And each of those were pushing what the PlayStation 4 could do, no, 3, could do to its, like, max, like... Yeah, the console would scream at you as you played them because it was just being <laughs> asked to do so much of it. And yeah. Yeah. yes, the Last of Us, it, it, it takes a fairly standard uh, post-apocalyptic zombie trope mm-hmm. and grafts onto it one of the most devastating narratives I've ever experienced in any <laughs> format. Um. So sure, the game follows um, Joel. So you play as Joel in the first one and then... Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one it gets complicated so you play as a couple mm-hmm. of different characters in the second one but for the most okay. part you're playing as joel in the first one and your task of getting ellie from it might be boston through to a uh research facility run by some rebels called the fireflies because she's mm-hmm. the only person who's immune to this virus that has devastated humanity like it has come and devastated us and they have a terrible life yeah. And so it takes a lot of the stuff from Uncharted. So that kind of like third person action game, the kind of the shooting mechanics are very similar. Mm-hmm. Graphs on a uh, degree of crafting. So you can like collect stuff and make bombs and shivs and other stuff with more of a stealth dynamic. Cause there are certain villains that you have to antagonists You can only kill stealthily. Okay. And the first game is one of the most upsetting games I've ever played. I was never comfortable playing it. I never enjoyed it, but the game, but the story was so interesting and engaging that I wanted to get yeah. to the end. And okay. then the game ends with this colossal gut punch, which I guess spoilers. Mm. But I mean, I assume Go you haven't watched it. the TV show or played the game. No, and I'm just going to say up
0: top, um, I don't think I ever will. Fabulous. Not because I I have anything against it. It's just a genre that um sort of horror in general to me this is a tangent but i'll go on it with you i i'm i've realized like with horror i i I respect it deeply because it's a very vast complicated genre but stuff like this i i am terrible for things like gore and stuff like i'm very squeamish um and yeah i've heard this is really upsetting in so many ways that i'm just like (laughs) i don't think i'd have a good time if i'm being honest with you but again i respect it for the things that we're about to discuss. So yeah, go ahead. Spoil um, away. I'm happy to have that spoiled. Not a problem. And if you're listening and you're not, obviously pause it here. I would have warned you up top. <laughs> what are you doing? Just carry on, mate. Carry on. Um, so go for it.
1: Yeah. So we'll get into the TV show in a minute. But so the yeah. game ends with uh, you reaching the facility and Ellie is going to be operated on. The operation will kill her because... They okay. will have to operate in her brain and remove something that will kill her. So you don't have a choice in this. You then play as Joel and he goes around and he kills everyone and takes Ellie away from this place. And so he takes mm-hmm. away. So you are actively involved in stopping humanity from being saved from this terrible virus that has ravished it for like decades at this point. Right, um, And like at that point, I remember it being this is also around the time of the Bioshock games, the Bioshock games um, are quite famous because they have a mechanic in them where if you don't kill a certain character, if you save a certain type of character, you get a good ending. And if you don't, you get a bad ending. And so you kind of just like, you have good or evil. And because yeah. there is no choice at this point because you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a gut punch. But because you're so attached to Ellie, because it, the game spends the entire time for you to getting to know her and love her. And you have a, the mission before this, you're playing as Ellie cause Joel is injured and it's up to Ellie to kind of get medicine for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the thing about the last of Us is it changes its perspective. So the opening of the last of Us, you play 30 minutes as Joel's daughter and then she mm-hmm. gets shot and killed. And so you then have yeah. Joel's motivation for the rest of the game, but it's, impacting on you because you have kind of bonded with his daughter because you played as his daughter during the the first day of the outbreak um yeah yeah and so you have this kind of gut punch ending and then Mm. the second game i might as well spoil everything the second game you play as joel for about 30 minutes again and then because of joel's actions in the first game the people catch up with him and Mm -hmm. he is killed and his death in front of ed Uh, in front of Ellie motivates her journey in the rest of the game and you play her up until the middle and then in the middle you switch to being a character called Abby who is uh, the person who killed Joel and so you spend the second half of the game playing as this character who killed Joel and their motivation for killing Joel is that their father was the doctor who was going to do the operation that would have saved mankind and so they they saw their father being killed and it's all wrapped in beautifully wrapped in um mm. and like you mentioned like those kind of like the softer, quieter moments in Uncharted 4. In yeah. Uh, so there's the first Uncharted starts with no action where you're just being uh an observer to what's going on, and most of the first half an hour it, there's not any kind of outbreak. It's just you going about the day-to-day life.
0: Mm. In
1: uh the second game, there's an entire mm-hmm. mission where you have a flashback and you're just John and Ellie in a museum exploring a museum having a mm. fun time like there's no action to that one it's just you in this oh. beautifully rendered building going through and doing all these exhibitions and it's it's yeah that kind of like bravado and boldness to just be yeah. like and at this point there's no more games for you we're going to take a second step yeah. back and that's what's going to happen
0: wow that's really interesting I, li- I quite like that yeah i heard it was a very character driven story um, yeah to say to say the least but yeah what you've just thrown at me there is complicated to say the least but I, I kind of like it I like the sound of that um yeah that's a very
1: interesting setup um am I right in thinking there's a third game on the way or so there's they're definitely making so there's a multiplayer component to the first last of us that came I think with, uh-huh so it was released on PS4 and now it's been since it's been released on PS5 I think there's a multiplayer component so that the, Uncharted, the first the enchanted i think the second third and fourth all have a multiplayer to them so you get to go to these like uh ancient tombs and fight people and punch people and shoot people and it's all really good fun and mm-hmm. i'm not sure if i quite think that transposes to the last of us world because the last of us world is downbeat and dire and everyone's humanity is the <laughs> worst thing about that world like most of the worst villains are humanity so they're definitely right. making a multiplayer. I suspect given the success of the TV show and that they're kind of probably want to stretch out the narrative even more, there'll be a third game. If they're not working on a third game, I would be flabbergasted because... Yeah. Yeah. So these, so, yeah. Yeah, these first two games are perhaps two of the greatest games I've ever played. I, mm. I think they're remarkable works. I think they take the medium to a place that it doesn't hasn't always gotten to in terms of mm. its narrative. So the second one being this really affecting um, ex- exploration mm. of revenge and how it twists and breaks people is is fantastic. Um, yeah. I I, mm. I I love the second game. The second game gets some flack online because... Okay. Um, so the other thing to say about The Last of Us is that they are mm-hmm. gently progressive games. So okay. Ellie is an LGBTQ heroine. In the second okay. game, she gains a partner. Okay. Uh, expanded on in the TV show is this beautiful love story between two men that's hinted at in the first game and then becomes much more explored in the TV show. Yeah. Okay. It's it, the modern worlds being represented, and the toxic sure. fans that can exist um, don't much care for it. You're going to get that anywhere, it seems.
0: But exactly. Yeah. yeah. Gatekeepers and toxic fans everywhere. Every episode. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, speaking of the, the series, you kind of brushed up against it. As I say, it's not something I'm planning on checking out personally, but I have a lot of respect for it because I know it's doing really well. And everybody says it's a really good adaptation. And it's proof that you can take uh, a cinematic video game in particular and adapt it well. It is
1: possible. So, yeah, talk to me about that then. Yeah. So, so part of the reason I. It's just ended, right? You to come on and chat about Naughty Dog because I been obsessed with this tv show right uh, which is unrelentingly downbeat which (laughs) is due to fully fleshed out characters who die at the end of every single episode it's it's, of course yeah but it's it follows mostly the same story as the first game so where the first game ends is where the tv show ends um Mm. pedro pascal is joel and it, Mm -hmm. it is a phenomenal performance from him i mean everyone loves him online but He's mm-hmm. doing great acting here. Uh, Bella Ramsey is Ellie, and she's also great in it. And it has like, there's um, an episode of Nick Offman is in it. There's an episode, two episodes of mm. Melanie Lilinsky. Uh, yeah. So it has really good actors in it because it's by HBO. It's a bit more classy. It's from the creators behind Chernobyl. And if you've seen Chernobyl. Ooh, okay. Have you seen Chernobyl?
0: uh again no that's one i've got oh, to see um but
1: chernobyl is brilliant but also yeah uh, i think it was the point i realized halfway through this first episode that everyone every character we'd been introduced to would be dead by the end of this series because yeah. it's just like yeah. proximity to the event mm-hmm. and so it has that kind of there are bits of that in the last of us so like it begins in the tv show it begins with this um opening scene set in a 60s tv studio where this. Professor explains what happens if fungus can uh, mutate and live in us. This one that mm. takes over the host. And yeah. um, I think it's John Hanna. And so, and he's doing great acting and it's this like monologue and it ends saying that we basically be screwed. Um, and yeah, there's that yeah. kind of like bits of that within it, that kind of like authenticity to the world. So like I um, had the look and feel of it, certain um there's another cold open, which is the first case to be discovered of this this terrible virus. And it's all these fascinating mm. things are within it. And it kind of is feeding off what the game does, which is that the games are feel really authentic to their world, the way they're rendered and the crafting of the world around it. Um, and so the TV show, we go on the same journey and each episode is devastating and impactful. The third episode might be one of the great TV shows, TV episodes I've ever seen. It's Nick Mm Offman and and I forget the name of the other actor. And so in the game, you meet this character called Bill and go get a car Mm -hmm. from him. And the same thing happens, but in this, it's showing a love story playing out across 20 years between these two men who meet sort of post-outbreak. And it's this beautifully rendered love story. And then one of them has a terminal illness, And so they both choose to end it. And so when we get to their, when Joel gets their um, house, they have uh, died and it has this like letter that then motivates Joel for the rest of the series. But it's just this kind of, nice. I've seen it online compared to the first 10 minutes of up. And it is just that in an, in an episode like that kind of like, wow. Okay. Um, taking a relationship, showing it over several years at different snapshots. And it's yeah. it's utterly beautiful and adapts the game in a way that's really interesting and in that it is the same basic thing that's mm. happening, but it, it changes things.
0: Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Again, to sort of pick on those threads, as you say, that are dropped in the game and Yeah, and to sort of take its time be a bit slower yeah. with it. Yeah. Pretty cool, I think. Yeah. What a what an interesting way of adapting it and as I say, yeah, I've heard about that a lot, about yeah. how like, emotionally devastating it is. And, <laughs> and that seems in tone with the game. So again, it's like fair play. I oh, know the game well. is,
1: the games are brutal. And yeah. people die a lot in the games. And a lot of people die in games anyway. But in, in The Last of Us in particular, it seems to be able to mm. have that weight of choices mm. made. Not, And it's not you are not making the choice that the characters are. But no. you have to live through the consequences of them. Sure. um and yeah, like making the entire second game being all about impact of co- the consequences and impact of choices. So Joel's choice mm-hmm. to kill lots of people and save Ellie mm-hmm. feeds into this kind of brutal story in the second one. um mm-hmm. Abby's choice to kill Joel impacts and leads Ellie into a path where all of Abby's friends are being killed around her. So you basically the game mm-hmm. f- is each half is being played together. So it's like, you're just seeing the same events from a different perspective. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so the TV show is probably the best gaming adaptation I've ever seen by Mm. a considerable margin. It kind of ups the idea of what a gaming adaptation can be Mm -hmm. both because HBO has money. So they spend it and so it looks good and gets in great actors and the world around them is created convincingly. But also because the actors in them are doing great stuff, are doing great mm-hmm. acting, and the writing is is complicated and interesting and adapts in stuff from the games really effectively.
0: Yeah, yeah. It sounds like it. it sounds like it's understood the tone and the world that's been established, and it's just in a way, like you say, adapting it and I would say probably paying it forward a little bit as well, right? Because it's going to be an all people coming to this fresh mm. who've maybe not played the games or not aware and um yeah again I just I admire it for that I think fair play because when when I heard it was coming out again just as someone who has like a passing knowledge of what this is I thought oh that's going to be tricky because I was nervous I'll be honest you and... I was
1: very nervous because yeah totally yeah like I I can name any number of gaming adaptations that haven't worked that have interesting stuff sure. in them but on but in reality are just kind of interesting failures like yes almost get there but don't get the formula right like are either mm-hmm. f- devoid of tension because they're we know what's going to happen or have goofy bits like strapping on a camera to a gun and having that as a sequence like they, they kind of mm-hmm. uh, I also think the thing with The Last of Us is that the creatives are very incorporated into certainly the TV show but I also think maybe the Uncharted film and we, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a less successful story but the TV show, the creatives have been very involved in it and it feels like it's feeding off of uh the game effectively. That it kind sure. of is just the natural next step for what Naughty Dog have been doing in terms of their narratives and the complexity they become is to do a TV show. And mm. so yeah, our hats off to them. They've made what is currently one of my favorite TV shows of the year. I would definitely be in my top five or six by the mm. end of the year um yeah it's like no one else is doing it like them Mm. so that makes me wonder then what do you think is next for these guys uh so there's been teasing more last of us more uncharted Mm -hmm. i would imagine that they'll do another last of us Mm -hmm. and then they'll have another franchise that takes it to another step like another step from Mm. uncharted the last of us to whatever comes next um so I assume it would be another action adventure game, with that kind of fluid action mechanic that has been like refined, refined, refined up into where it is now. Okay. But I'm not sure what story they'll choose to tell. Like, I think they'll try and choose a really different story because like the story from Crash Bandicoot and then Jack and Daxter is different. Then Uncharted mm-hmm. is different from Jack and Daxter, and The Last of Us is not like Uncharted in its narrative at all. It's yeah, it's yeah. a different tone and a different feel to it.
0: Um Yeah, they all seem very distinctly different from one another, yeah. which
1: is I think it's quite cool. It's quite exciting. Like yeah. I say, who knows what they'll come up with next. And I assume it'll come out whenever there's another PlayStation console. So yeah. they'll probably either do one at the end of the PS5's lifespan or they'll do uh that that might be the last us part three actually. And then when the PS six mm. comes, and that's can't be very soon. Because mm. I mean it's still quite hard to buy a PS5, so surely, surely yeah. we need to be able to buy yeah, them yeah. before we get the next one. Uh, yeah, they'll do something on the PS6 that is once again pushing what the console can do. Mm. Um, yeah, what do you think and, that would be? What the next console or the next game? Well, I guess in terms of like pushing the boundaries sort of what I don't know, what ideas do you think they might try? Uh, I would imagine that it'll be an even less fantastical narrative. Mm-hmm. So like they went from a uh, kind of an, a Tomb Raider, Indiana Jones style adventure through to being kind of real people going through the post-apocalypse tick Fall mm-hmm. of America. Yeah. Um, so you probably even stripped back to like the post-apocalypse. And then it becomes, I mean, I guess they've got kind of like two options there because the games have teas of the quiet moments. So you being able to walk around people's houses or museums And have no action. They could do something that's closer to almost no action where it's just someone's life being rendered in front of us. But that doesn't sound as engaging as it could. So I assume it'll end up being something, maybe like a spy thriller. Maybe it'll be like someone, like not quite as as, uh, fantastical as what Metal Gear Solid was because Metal Gear Solid still has ridiculous Mm. villains and a giant robot at the end of it, Um, which is what the Metal Gear of the Metal Gear... Uh, title is it's a giant uh, robot mecha thing yeah, uh, yeah so maybe it would be something spy or I could see them doing very well a heist game um, yeah and you got to like scout out a location and that's where you get like the walking around and just living in the space and then you return to it and you have to break in somewhere and get something interesting
0: well I can't wait to see what, what comes up next and uh yeah it's a really interesting thing that you've brought here to the podcast today, Russell. As well, like, I've genuinely enjoyed this. Just, again, as someone who's really so unknowledgeable when it comes to games, it's fascinating. It really is. And um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, look at the impact that one company's had, right? In yeah. In terms of
1: pushing it forward. It's I incredible. just admire them for developing themselves through various yeah. console generations, because each console mm-hmm. opens up more and more creative um outlets for um gaming makers it's it's yeah they can do more with each iteration of a console um, mm.
0: yeah that definitely feels like a thread that's been in a couple of episodes that i've done on video game topics of yeah developers trying to push the boundaries and go what hmm. can we do with the technology that we've got which makes total sense right like, yeah. yeah why not have fun just experiment try it and yeah more power to them i can't wait to see what comes up next so i guess uh all that's really left to say then is just thank you for coming on russell and and bringing this to me and uh for anyone who hasn't already heard you on this podcast before and you know you never know where can they find you and your wonderful podcast
1: well yeah thank you for letting me come on and wobble on about video games because i don't i it's on my podcast i don't cover video games because i am Mm. a selective gamer like there's certain games that have really impacted me and i play them repeatedly but i'm not someone who like picks up the latest horizon or mm-hmm. any of those kind of like i i don't really play modern games um as such i have a nintendo switch nintendo switch gets a lot of playing because that's like you know pick it up for 20 minutes play it put it down it's fun yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah so where can you find me so um On Twitter, I am Russ Loves Movies. Fingers crossed Twitter is still alive. That's where I post (laughs) any sort of writing or podcast appearances. I do a lot of Uh writing for uh, Moving Pictures Film Club right now. And my podcast is not just for kids. And right now, we are doing a modern animation series, which is big and sprawling. You came on to chat about the How to Train Your Dragon film. So there's a great starting Mm -hmm. point. Look up the How to Train Your Dragon episode. Um, And that will continue for a while because mm-hmm. it's about 60 uh films. And the problem is that every time I see them on animation, I'm like, Oh, I've got to cover that. I've got to cover Puss in Boots too. I've got to cover Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And it's like, yeah, it makes that series more and more long. Um <laughs> But there is seasons on the nineties on musicals, on Steven Spielberg, on Studio Ghibli, on many other subjects, just search for a film. And we may have covered it, we covered a lot of, uh, yeah. 80s onwards films and yeah. you
0: have yeah it's made, it's a great listen as I, as i've <laughs> said before so yeah i'll definitely be putting links in the show notes and yeah this my episodes a good jumping off point if you want it is but, absolutely yeah but th- there's a lot of really really great ones man and I, I was thrilled to come on and talk about those movies i mean they're so just brilliant and yeah there's yeah you're right you're right there's we're spoilt for choice especially in this department right of animation these days. Um, yeah I've, I've got to watch the Puss, uh, Puss in Boots film because I've heard it's really good but I saw the Pinocchio one on Netflix and I just wept because it was it was yeah. stunning first like, 10 minutes yeah. I was in
1: tears in Pinocchio like, oh, like oh it's that kind of film <laughs> <laughs> thank yeah. you Gilmer we're going to have a bit of an emotionally traumatic time and yet, the yeah the Puss in Boots too is yeah. no right to be as good as it is but mm-hmm. first 15 minutes I was giddy with it mm-hmm. I was overjoyed by it it's a lot of fun and there's this character in it and the way they use this Wolf character is one of the best uh, animated antagonists ever. Like, cool. And yeah, it has no right. You no, know, we're six films into the Shrek universe. We're two films into Puss in Boots. Whoa. Um, yeah, you're it, right. It, it shouldn't be as good as it is. And it, it makes me want to have another Shrek. And yeah, I wanted that for a while. So yeah.
0: <laughs> Fair. There you go. That's the high praise indeed. Well, there we go. Thank you very much, Russell. And again, I'll put links in the show notes and all that good stuff. But yeah. Thanks for coming on, mate. It's good to see you. And there we have it. Thank you so much, Russell, for coming back onto the podcast and bringing this really fascinating video game topic with you. I hope you guys listening really enjoyed this episode. If you haven't already heard Russell's other appearances on this podcast, then be sure to go and check those out, as well as his incredible podcast, Not Just For Kids. It really is a fantastic listen, and I'm not just saying that because he was kind enough to have me on the podcast. Links for all that good stuff will, of course, be in the show notes where you can go and say hi to Russell, check out his podcast, leave him a nice review, and all that good stuff. And speaking of that good stuff... If you would like to support this podcast in the same way, then I would be absolutely delighted. You can reach out to me via Twitter or Discord or email. To be honest, I've kind of abandoned Instagram, but whatever. As I said, links for the rest of it are in the show notes. So yeah, don't hesitate. Get in touch. Let me know what you thought of this episode. I have in fact created a unique channel for this episode on the Discord server, so you can jump on there and let me know what you think of Naughty Dog. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what your experiences are with the company. So by all means, head over to that. Check it out. Make sure you let me know what you think. And if you would like to support the podcast, then I would greatly appreciate it. There are only a few simple ways to do so. First and foremost is to just tell someone. I really don't mind how you do that, whether it's social media, word of mouth, talking about it over a uh, live stream, I guess, of a video game, again, not much of a gamer. But if you do any of that, then all I can really say is just thank you, because it really helps the podcast to grow and to find a new audience. And if you want to go that one step further and really help the podcast to grow in the podcasting charts, I suppose, then by all means, Head over to either Apple or Podchaser or any other podcatcher where you are able to leave a five-star review and rating. This really does help out the podcast and is something that I greatly appreciate. In fact, if you do it, I'm always going to give you a shout out on the end of an episode. After all, it is the least that I could do. And finally, and I promise this is finally, you can just head over to the Coffee or Kofi page. Either way, donate a pound or more to the podcast or head over to Tea Public and Redbubble and purchase some lovely merchandise featuring the fantastic artwork designed by one Alex Jenkins. His details are also in the show notes. And that just about does it from me. I'll be back next week with a brand new guest featuring a truly wonderful British sci-fi topic. So make sure you are here for that. Until then, take good care of yourselves. Have a great week and I will see you all next time.